Are you making this one big mistake when developing a range of products in the UK? You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me every Tuesday and Friday when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice on making in the UK. Let's crack on with the show. Welcome to episode 85 of the Make It British podcast. So are you thinking of launching a made in the UK brand or do you have a brand maybe that is made in the UK but you're finding it difficult to juggle all of your suppliers? Well if so you are probably making one of the biggest mistakes that I see people making when they are launching a collection of products that are made in the UK. So you're going to find this episode really useful because I'm going to tell you what that mistake is. And even if you already have a collection or you're a manufacturer, there's going to be something here that will ring very true when you hear what I say about what this mistake is. And I can tell you now, this mistake, if you're making it, it can cause high sampling costs It can cause complex supply chain issues and it can certainly lead to very long development times, which is not what you want or what you set out for if you're making in the UK. So if you avoid this one mistake, I promise you, you will avoid having tons of money tied up in stock. You certainly won't have such long lead times And it will also save you hours and hours of stress. So listen up and I'm going to tell you what it is. But before I do, I just want to explain a little bit about the reason why I'm qualified to tell you what this one thing is. And that is because over the last 10 years since I've been running Make It British, I have helped hundreds of people to find manufacturers for their collections. And prior to that, I was a retail buyer and I spent a lot of time putting range plans and collections together. And before that, I was actually a designer and I think I was probably guilty of this one thing when I was a designer. So what is the one biggest mistake to avoid when you're developing a made in the UK range? or probably any product range for that matter, certainly when you're starting out. It is making the collection far too broad. You have far too many styles in it, and all of those different styles are made from different materials and components. So let me give you an example. So what gave me this idea for this podcast today. I was recently working with a lady called Jenny who was launching a new children's wear brand. She'd come from a background as a lawyer and she wanted to launch her own collection, this children's wear label. And she had some fantastic ideas for what she wanted it to be all about. And she employed a designer to design the collection for her because she was a lawyer. She didn't necessarily know how to get her ideas down on paper. So she did the right thing. She employed a designer and she showed that designer pictures of different 
pictures from magazines and of different products of the sort of thing that she liked and websites of other brands that she admired. And most of those brands that were her aspirational brands were very much leaders in the children's wear field. But Jenny's point of difference was that she wanted to make an equally aspirational children's wear brand, but manufacture it in the UK. And she also wanted that collection to be ethical and to use sustainable materials. And when I asked her what age range she planned to make the children's wear range in, she wanted to make it from age zero to 12. And the range that the designer had done for her, the the pieces in the collection included things like dresses, T-shirts, she had dungarees, leggings, coats. There was a couple of pieces of knitwear and also some accessories to tie the range together. So hats, gloves, I think she also had scarves in there too. She had enough to fill a whole shop and to dress any child of any age from head to toe in that collection. And what's more, the range that the designer had done for her consisted of quite a few different materials, both woven and stretch fabrics, and a lot of different prints as well in the range in different colourways. So there was really quite a lot in this collection. And the first thing I said to Jenny when I saw her range plan and all of her beautifully coloured in designs that she got from her designer was how much have you got to spend to get this collection off the ground? Now, she had some savings and those savings did amount to quite a substantial five-figure sum. But I had to be entirely honest with her and say, that figure is not even going to touch the sides in getting samples made for this collection, let alone having any money left afterwards to spend on stock or her website, her photography and her marketing. There were just far too many pieces in the collection. And what Jenny wanted me to help her do was find a manufacturer for this collection. But what I said to her was, because you've got so many different types of products in here, you're going to need several factories. You're probably going to need about a dozen suppliers for this collection. You're going to need not only someone to make up the clothing, and that may be more than one type of factory, because quite often you'll have a factory that can make using jersey fabric and another one that will only do wovens. You're also going to need a knitwear supplier because you've got some knitwear pieces in there. You're going to need a supplier for the fabrics. You're going to need a print, someone to print the fabric for you. You're going to need suppliers for all the trims. And she had buttons and zips and buckles in the collection. You're also going to need packaging and labels and a pattern cutter, most probably, who can cut the patterns for you consistently across the whole collection. And even once you've got all the pieces developed, you will have minimum order quantities from each of these suppliers for every single part of the range. So in order to meet those MOQs, those minimum order quantities, you're going to have to invest a lot into a lot of stock for each item. And one thing I certainly learned when I was a buyer is that stock costs your business money. And until you've tested the water, to see if these designs are going to sell, especially as a new brand or a small business, and you don't know which sizes are going to sell, you're going to also have to take a guess at what size range you want to buy them into. And then what's going to happen, no matter how well your launch goes, you're still going to be sitting on a loss of stock. 
And stock is what's going to cost you money. That's certainly something I learned when I was a buyer. No business wants to sit on a whole load of inventory that they can't sell. And I asked Jenny, how are you planning to sell this new collection? Because if it's only going to be online, you're only going to sell a few pieces a week. The reason these established brands can have so many pieces in their range is because they have lots of different retail outlets. And even then, you still end up, they don't sell everything. They don't sell all their products. And that's why you see end of season sales and de- you know discounting on outlet websites. It's because they're trying to get rid of their stock. And stock that you sell not at full price is costing you money. You might even make a loss on it. So after telling Jenny that she had too many pieces in her range, what did I suggest that she did? Well, for a start, I said as a new business or a small brand, decide what you most stand for and start with that. Have one or two signature pieces in your collection and build it out from there as you test the water. That way you can start with just one manufacturer and the raw material suppliers that you need and the packaging and labelling suppliers. And you won't have to order so many pieces to start with. I also said to her, I suggested that she made the size range much narrower. It's much easier to start at a smaller size range and branch out later. It's the why, the reason you see so many shops which just sell size 8 to 14 in women's wear, for instance, or they'll do just baby wear and go up to an age two because the more sizes you have to do, the more grading you'll have to do and the more you'll have to invest in stock that possibly won't sell. So certainly from businesses that I know and people that we have as members of Make It British that are reasonably new brands that manufacture in the UK, the ones that I see growing the fastest and doing the best are those that have just one signature product to start with. So just to give you some examples, Hebtro Co, who you've heard on this podcast before, I'm sure, they started with just trousers. So they were a trouser brand and they did those trousers in two or three materials to start with. Yes, now they do accessories and jackets and a few other pieces, but they started as a trouser company and that's where they grew first and they got some cash behind them from selling those initial trousers to then be able to add other pieces into the range, which has helped them grow to over a million pounds in sales in just a few years. Um, Another brand I know, Sarah Haran, she makes beautiful leather bags. And when she first started out, she was actually called VVA when she first launched the collection. She had one signature bag, which she made the pattern for herself and developed and got right first herself before she then went to a factory and she made it in a few different leathers. It's a fantastic bag. It's a two in one bag. I'll put a link to all these businesses in the show notes for this podcast so that you can see um, where they started out and what their signature pieces are. Uh, Another member we've got is um, a brand called Teddy Maximus, and they make bags that you can carry your small dog in. And that's all they did to start with was their dog carrying bag. They spotted a gap in the market. Now, they could have started out by doing collars and leads and dog coats, but they didn't. At first, they started out by doing that dog carrying bag. And they now have things like dog shampoo even in their collection. But they got their first customers and they tested the water by just having that one bag that they knew their customers needed. And then they launched into other products. 
when it comes to homeware, we've got the um, Throw Company. Now, they started two or three decades ago by just specialising in faux fur throws, which they made themselves. Now, now they're doing, you know, cushions and jackets and anything imaginable that you can think of in faux fur. But they started out first by being, by being called the throw company and just making throws. And finally, this rule also applies to non-textile products, obviously. So Muggy, now if you know Muggy, it's a drinks tray. It's a plastic injection moulded drinks tray. And when David first launched that Muggy brand, he had the one tray in just a few colours and he marketed that product like crazy because that's one thing you can do. If you only have one signature product, you can spend a lot more of your budget on marketing the product and getting it out there. So David now does his Muggy, his muggy tray in all sorts of recycled plastics and different colours. But when he first started out, he just had one product. You know, he could have done that muggy tray. You know, currently it holds four drinks, but he could have had plans to develop it to hold two drinks, four drinks, six drinks, or even just one drink. But no, he's stuck to the four drinks. And that's the way I'm sure he's got plans for doing other sizes going forward. But he had one product to start with. So if you're launching a collection of British made products or products made anywhere for that matter, but obviously on this podcast, I'm encouraging you to make them in the UK. Or if you already have a collection, you're working with tons of different suppliers. Your supply chain is a headache. Keep it really simple. Be known for one signature product or a very small collection. You can always expand on it much later. Product development can be really stressful. And the easiest way to take that stress away is by making your range as simple as possible. And if you want help from me with developing a collection, finding manufacturers, or just want someone to crit the range you've put together to see if it's actually viable to make it in the UK, then I'm certainly very pleased to help you with that. You can find out more details about how I can help. Just fill in a short form at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash work with me and we can work out how I can help you develop that product in the UK. So I hope you found this episode useful. I will be back again next week with an interview on Tuesday with a very special guest. I will speak to you then. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday and Friday, plus there's also bonus episodes occasionally. So don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app so that you get notified every time a new episode goes live. And if you enjoyed the show, I would really love it if you left me a, just a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye bye.